Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Fan Fuel, the podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. This week we've got a special guest, Justin Champagne, and you guys know him from Twitter, but we'll let him introduce himself. Justin, who exactly are you? Um, I go by the name of Champagne Racing on Twitter. My real name is Justin Champagne. I'm from Connecticut. I've been a NASCAR fan for damn near my whole life since I can remember. Yeah, I kind of just blew up on Twitter. You know, a lot of people relate to me. I relate to a lot of people and, you know, this new movement for NASCAR and this new generation. I think I came at the right time. So, yeah. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. Uh, we'll get Thank into you. a little bit more about you a little bit later in the show. But we had a bunch of racing this mm-hmm. weekend, and I'm sure you watched a lot of it. Uh, there was an F1 race in Barcelona this weekend. And Nathan, mm-hmm. why don't you get us started with that? Oh, and first of all, I thought it was an all right race um, for Spain standards. They usually don't have the greatest race in there. So I was just happy if they actually had a little bit of competition at the front for once. Um, I was surprised that Verstappen was able to hold the lead for as long as he did on a one-stop strategy there because once it became apparent that Hamilton was going to get on fresh tires, that was when that was when people started to figure, you know, he might – you're not going to beat this guy. If you put him on fresh tires late in the race, Hamilton usually always comes out on top. So it wasn't overly surprising to me, but it was still actually a pretty interesting race to watch because it was one of the first races in Spain for a while where more than one car had a chance at winning the race. So once again, I'm, I can't say I was disappointed with the race. Yeah, it was a, it was a decent race. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter were, Kind of surprised by the Mercedes pit strategy, and I know our friend Avery Hage tweeted something about how Hamilton was about a second faster since probably around lap 50 or 49, excuse me, to the end. And it was just uh, very interesting to see something a little bit more volatile in a Formula One race that's usually, uh, as you said, not really that interesting in Spain. Uh, but with that being said, the stark opposite happened in oh, yeah. Darlington on Friday night. We have the trucks mm-hmm. again, uh, the second time uh, they've raced there in a couple of years now. They haven't been there in a while, and they might have stopped going there because it seems like this track was too tough to tame. And Justin, I'm going to pass this off to yeah. you after that big one. Do you think that this track is just too tough for these rookie drivers, or is it just because of the practice not being there? It's a mixture of a lot of things. You know, we have a lot of young drivers who are trying to make a name for themselves, and they've got to fight to get every position. Uh, and you you bring no practice on top of that, no qualifying. You know, you got these young kids. They've never been on Darlington before. You throw them out there, it's going to be a wreck fest. So I don't know. It's a mixture of a lot of things. And I have to ask, because uh, we've already had this conversation uh, mm-hmm. since uh, we've done – this podcast after the COVID break started and everything. How are you when it comes to practice and qualifying? Do you think it's necessary? Uh, and do you really agree with NASCAR continuing not to have it while series like Formula One and IndyCar and V8 supercars and the like have full race weekend programs? And it seems like nothing's changed despite mm-hmm. the fact that NASCAR decided to push this down our throats. Um, I've always been a fan of a full race weekend with qualifying practice, happy hour. I, I love that. You know, that's good old racing. That's good old NASCAR. You know, I hope next year or 
upcoming years they bring it back full time. You know, they they stopped doing it because of like uh, COVID or whatever, and I guess they just they don't care anymore. They just said, yeah, no practice, no qualifying. You know, I I miss you know single car qualifying when you will see the drivers give their all for a lap or two, and it would be whoever's the fastest will get the pole. I kind of miss that. Yeah, and the good thing is, though, we do have that coming back uh, in two weeks at Circuit of the Americas and then the following week yes. at the Coke 600. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure everyone else is, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Xfinity on Saturday did not disappoint either. It was one of the never uh, does <laughs> one of the better races <laughs> of the season so far for that Xfinity series, which mm-hmm. is saying a lot because that's probably one of the more entertaining series uh, mm-hmm. of NASCAR right now. Uh, but... Something controversial happened. Noah Gregson uh, again wins the one hundred thousand yeah. dollars for the dash for cash. He's got a rear end penalty for his <laughs> rear end housing not being locked, and it's being able to move around kind of like they used to do, where uh, in the Cup Series they you'd see him kind of slap the car back into place uh, mm-hmm. before they went on pit road after qualifying in the race. And shout out to them for their ingenuity. But what do you think about them? getting the penalty and losing the 100k colton if you ain't cheating you ain't trying in nascar um, <laughs> yep. props yep. to the innovation um the only bad thing about it was that they got caught you gotta hide it better than that you gotta tell noah hey smack <laughs> the wall real good make sure you throw the rear end around kind of get that locked back in place um i think that comes from a little bit of a naivety or naiveness however the hell it's pronounced <laughs> on noah's part of not knowing what the hell to do in that situation um, but good on NASCAR for throwing the penalty um, and taking away that 100K. Yeah, it was kind of ironic after he was like, well, can can we get a bonus if we win all 400000 Do we get another 100000 in this post-race and then wound up not winning it, and then A.J. Allmendinger got it after finishing uh, outside of the top 10. Uh, with that being said, though, a, a driver that's been moved into having a top five with, with that penalty was – was Jeremy Clements, he finished in fifth after the penalty was given to Noah Gregson. Um, what do you guys think? I'll open this up to all, all of you guys. What do you guys think of Jeremy Clements potentially being the same kind of story Brandon Brown was last year with one of the single-car owner-operator teams coming up and, and showing out uh, so far this season? First of all, I what can you not love about this? Because it's a smaller team – a really good driver who actually won a race a few years ago on a road course. So everybody knows the guy has skill. And I think now that things are finally starting to go their way, people are starting to take more and more notice of that. While I'm at it, I might as well give a shout out to Steve Carnes because his company actually sponsors them for, mm-hmm. I want to say, double digit races now, which is a really good move because I don't really think that team's going anywhere else but up. So. I don't think it's going to stop at this point. It's probably uh, it's probably only the beginning for him. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, we talked about it when my dad was on the show. Uh, he's good friends with Jeremy. Um, the money that he's gotten uh, from Steve and some other investors so far this season, he's actually been able to go out and get two extra cars. So he's not running uh, with a limited chassis count now. He's got a couple more extra cars, so I'm glad to see that. And I I know uh, you guys are probably all for the underdogs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's going to be cool to see him and Brandon Brown playing out. 
later on in the season. With that being said, though, we move on to Sunday's cup race, and this one was a really, really controversial one, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about it. Uh, was it a good race, or was it not a good race? I will just go ahead and let our guest, Justin Champagne, talk about his points for the race. I loved it. Um, <laughs> keep it plain and simple. I love that type of racing. You know, you you throw a big engine on these cars and a and a small spoiler, you you actually get to see the drivers showcase their true ability and their true talent. Um, I don't, you you know, going on Twitter that whole day it was just it, it kind of boiled my 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 blood pressure. I was getting heated because I've seen the whole timeline complaining, and then people were like, "Oh, this is why the five fifty high." Downforce is way better than this package. And I was like, come on, man. Like, I don't really understand it. And, you know, with NASCAR, typically fans will complain if the fastest driver doesn't win. And then they complain when the fastest driver does win. So you can't ever please these fans. Yeah, I couldn't agree more Get about getting heated on my Twitter yeah. timeline there. I, I call them video game fans. It's all these like exactly. newer fans oh, yeah. you know, that expect the NASCAR 15 finishes every week. <laughs> yeah. um, and I compared it Eight to wide. You, if, if you're watching the race off the ticker, like I yeah. want that same mentality to all sports. Like if a baseball team's up by five runs, the opponent gets 10 outs per inning. Like if a football team's up by 28, the opponent mm-hmm. gets to start every drive from the red zone. Like it's not, you can't, you can't do one to NASCAR and not do it to the other sports and compare it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it watching a race from a ticker is one thing, but seeing the cars all yawed out and getting into the wall almost every lap, um, that was great. That was that was racing. Um, mm-hmm. And for the people who were complaining that the faster car was waxing the field, <laughs> so be it. That's that's what happens. Truex nailed the setup, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, I made the joke that Cole Pern guest starred this week and set up the car for Darlington. Um, so I was I'm a huge fan of the racing that was going on this weekend. Um, can't stand the people who were complaining about it, you know. And again, they were just they were just watching the ticker. They weren't mm-hmm. they weren't watching the actual racing. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with what both of you guys said even more, mm-hmm. just because I think that you guys both nailed it with people complaining more about say margins or gaps than they were the actual yeah. racing itself. Because you know, longtime fans will know that a good race isn't defined by how close you know the margin is between first and second. They'll know that. You know, if you saw a race like we saw last Sunday with your own eyes, that was a great race. It doesn't matter necessarily the closeness of the racing you set. They had high horsepower, low downforce. They had a hot slick track. The drivers were pushed. They enjoyed driving the car, which matters a lot in my mind. And we still got a good finish, and I think people forget that because Larson probably, in all honesty, wouldn't have even been in contention if it wasn't for the lap traffic at the end. So. I don't see where anything was bad about this race because it seemed to click all the boxes that fans say they want on Twitter, and then when they get it, they mm-hmm. say they don't want it. Yeah, and and to that point as well, I mean, fans used to complain that Brad Keselowski waxed the field or that Kevin Harvick, you know, was in another zip code. You know, we until the last couple of years, we never saw complaints that a single car was that far ahead, and so I think that just goes to show the different generations of fans. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe, I mean, you alluded to it uh, earlier, but Cole Pern maybe has something to do with this. I mean, uh, 
the Martin Truex Jr. story kind of was that of the underdog, that of the I hope this guy does stuff. And then he comes out and does what he does, leading 394 of the 400 laps at the Coke 600. And ever since then, it seems like if Martin Truex Jr. wins a race, he's dominated the race, and it's mm -hmm. automatically boring, and it's automatically uh, the worst race. And, you know, I'll, I'll even admit to being a part of that kind of mantra where you know i get tired of watching him do that but i don't know that necessarily that's my fault or if that's the fault of people who are broadcasting the races uh because all i saw sunday personally was martin truex jr and more martin truex jr in that third stage and that kind of irked me because other than the five car coming and trying to pass him and that was the whole thing those last 15 20 laps i mean it seemed like i know there's more battles going on because i've been to races i know races are exciting but just focusing on a leader that much made it not exciting for someone who knows better so i mean what are your thoughts about that yeah i i kind of understand where you're coming from because you know when people they just focus on the leader, and if the leader's dominating, they automatically think the race is boring. But, you know, when you look at the interval, you can see there's obviously battles between every position. Uh, you can't always focus on how far the leader is ahead of everybody. But, yeah, I just wish, you know, the broadcasting needs to do a better job. Honestly, they, just, they have to uh, focus on, like, the most exciting battles at the at the moment. Uh, I think that would give people, well, that's the thing. Even people can still see that, see the battles for like, you know, 15th, 20th, you know, 10th. And they will still complain because it's not for the lead. They're not five wide for the lead. Regardless, they're still going to complain. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. Like when I go to mm -hmm. a race, whether it be a late model race or a NASCAR race, I'm not just watching the leader. Yeah. around the track every single lap like i'm seeing what's going on further deep in the field and i definitely feel like the fox broadcast could have done a better job um about showing the entire field you know there's 40 guys out there racing why are we showing one or two mm -hmm. yeah you guys make perfect sense there because you know when i watched the f1 race a few hours before that you could see that they do a really good job of showing all sorts of battles for position whether it be for first or 15th they're always willing to show them to the viewers wherever they are on the track. And I think that Fox can kind of take notes from them in terms of, say, focusing a little more on the cars that are coming through the field or the cars that are kind of falling back, for example. There's a lot of things that go on in a race like Darlington where positions are changing so much. And there's a lot of, if you don't see them, the race would look a lot worse for another viewer on TV. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's kind of hard. I know, uh, I feel like they used to do it a lot more, ex especially Fox when they first started, uh, where they'd have side-by-side -side stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, I saw uh, even lately they've had uh, in in the in the scoring pylon, they'll have, like, a driver interview going on and then the race uh, on the big, big part of the screen, and you're still watching stuff like that. So I wish they would incorporate that more. Um, into the racing because I understand that you want to show, you know, whoever's leading because most likely it's one of the bigger teams and their sponsor has probably paid spots for more 
for more airtime, but there's got to be a balance. Because if I'm a new fan and I'm just seeing this guy run out there 10 seconds in the lead, I'm like, oh, well, why does anyone just watch this? This guy's just running around, you know, kicking everybody's butt. It's not exciting. And that's, like, coming from a place of ignorance, but I can also understand it. With that being said, though, um, a couple of you guys had said something about the uh, 550 package being led on to as being better on Twitter than what we saw with the 750 package. And, Justin, you said, no, that's not how it goes. Uh, big motor uh, is always going to be better. So when we look at it, you can see that there were, quote-unquote, closer racing with the three races last year at Darlington. But this race, to me, was more enjoyable because we could see the sliding and the, yeah. the not-so-much-side-to-side action, but passing for every position yeah exactly uh with the 750 package you know you're not stuck behind a guy for 20 30 damn laps because the big old spoiler on the back end uh i watched the uh the finish last year um with truex and chase elliott and you could tell by that package because if chase didn't go on the bottom he gave uh, Truex the top lane, and that's the only reason why he even got close to passing him. And if it wasn't for that, he could have just blocked him and just took his lane away, and he could have probably won the race with 20 to go. But, you know, you look back at Kansas last year with Kevin Harvick and uh, Logano, yeah. and he couldn't pass him. <laughs> and I, I don't know how you could watch a race like that and not, you know, tell that your your product is bad. I don't know how the drivers do it. I would have to speak my mind because that's not real racing, you know. Five, four wide on the restart. So it's cool once in a while, but, you know, every mile and a half, it's not really exciting for me. To piggyback off of what Justin said, I think he couldn't have said it any better. And mm -hmm. another thing that kind of adds on to support what he said is the graphic that Fox showed at some point during the race, of the telemetry from one of the cars where – you could see the clear difference in throttle versus braking. You could see that yeah. last year at 550, they didn't even use a brake hardly at all. And the more you think about that, it's like, how on earth are you supposed to race a guy when you're hardly using the brake pedal? You're hardly, there's less, there's so a little chance for error. And I think that the more chance for error for a driver to make, the better the racing is because that opens up chances to make a pass. Mm hmm. And I kind of want to piggyback off that, too. I like using examples to kind of prove my points. And I'm going to try to post this on Twitter at some point, maybe the next mile and a half track. But if you go back and look at the spring Atlanta race in 2005, where Carl Edwards got his first win, they were using big-ass motors, small-ass spoilers, and it was a great finish. Even though, at some point, Jimmy Johnson got super strung out over Carl, but you saw the race. You saw Carl actually have to wheel the car around. Um, they both had to try to different, find different lines and different breaking points, and that was real racing. You know, granted the cars weren't nose to tail the entire time. That's not what made it a great race. Um, I could put two trains on the same track and get them super close together, and I feel like some of these fans would call that great racing, even though there's nowhere for that second train to go. And I kind of feel like that's what we have with this 550, the giant ass spoiler on the back. Mm -hmm. You're, we're playing air games more often than not, um, and it. I mean, it, it seems more like slot car racing than it does actual, you know, the top stock car drivers in the country going out and duking it out. Yeah, and uh, you bring up that point, and to be honest, um, someone who used to be really an avid slot car racer as myself, 
Uh, I feel like I had a little bit more skill and uh, throttle control with the slot cars that I was racing than than uh, the aforementioned Kansas race that Justin brought up. Uh, I mean, I don't know how uh, guys like Kevin Harvick can get out of a car and be behind another car for 30 laps and have absolutely nothing to do uh, to be able to pass them and not say anything to the cameras. Exactly. Uh, the, the way that you can hold yourself back right right there for that, I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, and I even think it's, it's you know, Nate said, you know, I want the drivers to speak out on it. I think they kind of are. Um, you can't tell me that Jimmy retired from cup racing to go race IndyCar because he completely wanted to. You know, I think at some degree he was upset with the package, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Kurt Busch and maybe even, even to some degree Kevin Harvick. Um, you know, he was – really really not happy with the playoff format last year after martinsville um and i mean within the next three years we could see harvick step off and go do something else um we kind of know that's why carl edwards retired was because of the direction the nascar was going in i'm wondering if we're not seeing more drivers step away because of that you know that's actually a really good point yeah it is i think well didn't jimmy johnson go to any car because he wanted to drive race cars for more horsepower and like yeah exactly yeah he even said it. So, like your your package is so bad that you know a seven time champ wants to go to open wheels so he could actually yeah. have a challenge. The, the top name in the sport left because it sucked. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just and, no one, uh, he was nice enough to leave that way, mm-hmm. you know, than to say go full on Tony Stewart and just publicly bash him. I think <laughs> that the only thing at this point that would help NASCAR is to have a driver straight up trash them on air because I really think that if Jimmy Johnson leaving didn't send enough of a message, I don't know what else will. We need 2007 Indy. Kyle Bush to save us all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. We need yeah. He needs to unmellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, those those guys over in IndyCar are going to be looking to, to be around 1,000 horsepower with the push-to-pass hybrid system mm-hmm. that they're, they're going to be going over. So I'm sure Jimmy's going to have – Lots of fun with that. I mean, he's already um, kind of in the thick of it and kind of learning how how to maneuver those cars. We talked about that uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, but to kind of steer the direction of this conversation off of what we saw this weekend, uh, let's go ahead and get into this little fan spot that, that we've got going t- for tonight's episode and uh justin it's been a good conversation so far you brought Mm -hmm. up a lot of good points and uh i just kind of want to get to know you more i mean uh when i look at your profile pic it's that guy with uh the mask on and holding up the peace sign and you know i've already been surprised with about how deep your voice is so uh Mm -hmm. what other surprises do you have for us i mean nothing really uh i'm just uh uh, and a young adult who just loves NASCAR, honestly. I'm not oh, really that much interesting, but I'm an interesting dude, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of people seem to like your stuff on Twitter. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, you know, plenty of followers and stuff. So, I mean, for for that, I mean, other than Twitter, obviously, I mean, what, what are kind of some of your hobbies and stuff that you like to do outside of just watching racing? I like to, uh, I'm on iRacing a lot. I like to do video games. Uh, I just started going back to the gym like a month ago. So I like going on runs, getting exercise, 
I don't know. <laughs> I like I'm I like to look up apartments. I don't know. I I'm getting old. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. I'm Hey, I don't want to hear that. I'm about to turn 26 at the end of the month. <laughs> I feel like yeah, an old man. I'm getting at the age where, you know, I'm looking at apartments and I'm trying to look at furniture and just trying to try to move out. That's what I'm trying to do. Hey, save while you can, because once you get out there, you don't get that money back. It just starts disappearing in new places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said something about um, your iris and stuff. Uh, you told us earlier that you've been kind of doing that since 2012. And uh, someone yeah. who, like me, who's who's kind of brand new to the service... That's that's a long time to be with iRacing. I mean, you're you're pulling up almost ten years on the service. I mean, how do you think you've progressed through that? I mean, I know you've you've done the Moonhead, Moonhead series. You're, uh -huh. you're racing in other series like OSRL and stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, has it? How has iRacing uh, impacted your life as far as making new friends or or getting that competitive edge out in in something as serious as iRacing? Yeah, it's definitely. Uh took a toll on my life in a good way you know i i uh, meet a lot of people you know a lot of people invite me to races and to leagues uh but yeah to touch on what i said earlier i used to wake up two or three hours before school every morning to play eye racing and uh you know 13 year old in middle school and that's what i used to do before school but uh but yeah eye racing i play this game every day not a game a simulator uh I play iRacing every day. Um, I used to I used to be bad. Like, not bad. I used to be good, but, like, I used to start a lot of drama and, like, wreck people. And I used to have a lot of beef. But, you know, as I get older, it's not worth it. So, you know, I calm down a lot of, a little bit. And I race hard and I race good. Well, you know I'm going to have to ask you about that kind of drama stuff. So um, <laughs> let, me, let me preface uh, that with uh, when I first got on the – on the sim and I'm racing and uh -huh. I'm doing stuff. There's a lot of guys when your I rating is lower that just drive like asses and they don't understand how I guess karma works. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll be coming out of turns, uh, especially at the mile and a half in the trucks or the Arca cars and they'll just uh -huh. run from the bottom all the way to the top while you're running the top line and they will take your nose off and you'll have to get out of the gas because they're blocking you so hard. And I can tell you, I have probably taken a few mistakes over the past few months where I forgot to lift and they just roll right across my nose. So, uh -huh. so is it that kind of drama or, or, or are we talking about like intentional wrecking or something? No, I would never, you know, bully people with low eye ratings. You know, you start from somewhere. So I'm, I'm never one of those type of dudes. But, you know, sometimes I'll be battling with somebody and – uh they bumped me, they spin me out, and I used to go back out there and get them back. You know, that's how I used to do it. But I, I, I got suspended, you know, a handful of times, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to be this type of guy anymore. So kind of cleaned it down a little bit. So, uh, I mean, obviously you can get suspended uh, in official <laughs> yeah. races by doing that stuff. Um, when you're racing in these leagues, I mean, does that rile you back up? Because you're not just racing with random people at this point. I mean, you're racing with – with guys that you know because you're racing with them multiple times. And I haven't experienced yeah. league racing yet because I haven't been too far down into the iRacing rabbit hole. Yeah, um, racing in the leagues is way different than racing, you know, just random races because, like in real life, every point matters. So you're going to try your hardest to get that position and get that point because you don't know at the end of the 
season, you may come up short by a point or two. So it's crazy. But you always try to race clean in the series. You don't want to be, you know, a bully or, you know, have too much controversy in the series. But, yeah, that's just about it. You don't want to be a Noah Gregson. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want you don't want to be that. With that, I mean, are you guys um, – you're, you're racing with Moonhead. Uh, you said you missed out on the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're you're getting broadcasters and stuff. Uh, do people do people uh, ever say anything to you on Twitter? Uh, maybe in your private chats or anything. Um, um sometimes calling you out. Oh yeah, that that happens sometimes too. Honestly, uh, you know, in the Moonhead race, if I if I cause a wreck, you know, by accident, you see in the, you see in the chat, the Twitch chat, and people would just you know name drop me, but I love it. It's it's all fun. Um, I don't really. I don't think too much about it. It's kind of funny to me. So that that happens. And uh, when I win races, you know, people would post on Twitter and at me and congratulate me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of coming uh, a kind of our little um, niche hobby slash passion uh, with racing and, and mm-hmm. our racing. You're kind of coming a little celebrity. So, yeah, uh, yeah. well, um with that being said, uh, there's an actually pretty famous um, photo, and I know Colton had some things to ask you about that. Yeah, so I want to know, you told me the story um, about the Bristol, the famous Michael McDowell photo of you giving him the double uh-huh. word. Um, the, the fans need to hear about the full story behind it, because I, I, I learned a couple things from it. I didn't know it was the race was quite the way it was in terms yeah. of fan behavior. Yeah, well, you know, for the fans who want to know about it, um, it was a, it was an early, uh, what was it, Saturday? When was it? When was it? Saturday or, or Wednesday? I don't know. But, it was a uh, midweek. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a Wednesday. Right? Wednesday. It was an early Wednesday morning. You know, four o'clock in the morning. I'm in Connecticut. Me and my dad, we were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go to Bristol. You know, let's go to this All Star race. We drive all the way down there. Uh, get there an hour before the race have a Twitter meetup, everybody gets in their seat, the driver intros happen, and uh, they call Bubba Wallace's name. He gets booed off the building. I'm sitting in the seat going crazy. Woo, Bubba, let's go. I'm the only person cheering in my section, and that kind of made me feel bad and embarrassed. I didn't even want to be there at that point, but uh, I had to stay strong. Uh, And then the race started, and... You know, you know McDowell. He was holding up the field. Uh, so they had to bump him out the way. I forgot who it was before Bubba Wallace bumped uh, McDowell out the way. But somebody else bumped him out the way. And then I was watching. I was like, okay, Bubba. You know, he's coming up through the field. Then he bumped McDowell out the way. It happened right in front of me. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, it's a short track. Bump and run. I don't. I, I still don't know to this day why you hook a dude because he gave you a bumper at Bristol. But anyways... <laughs> he bumped McDowell, then he hooked him. He hooked Bubba, uh, and then the crowd erupted. They were happy, laughing, smiling, sharing because they wrecked Bubba. And I was like, I was the only person like down. And I was like, I'll be damned! I drove all this way in a matter of ten, twelve hours to not stand up for my guy. So I just, I was up higher, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going down there. I'm going to the fence. So I ran all the way down to the fence, 
and I waited for uh, McDowell to come come around. I was waiting. I couldn't wait till he came around too. Uh, he came around and I gave him the infamous double bird, and I Hell don't yeah. regret it. <laughs> Hell yeah, great story. I mean, that was like Twitter famous for like a couple weeks afterward. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm a I'm a print one off and mail it to you. I'm gonna need you to sign it and send it back. So. Hey, I'll I'll do that. Hell yeah. I don't know. I've never really given anyone the bird of the race. I don't know if I'm just too timid or, or what. <laughs> yeah, uh, you are. I never I never did that either. It was just heat of the moment. <laughs> Man, I went to a short track race a couple weeks ago, and I think I gave forty different drivers the fucking bird throughout the entire. <laughs> well, race. how many how many beers were you in? Damn, uh, about four. Oh yes. Well, that ain't that ain't much, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I not for you. Everyone off, it seemed like. Well, Colton, you are kind of rowdy, and y'all ain't got nothing much to do up there in Cheyenne. So when you run yeah. down to Colorado National, that's that's where you get all your uh, your heat out. And so I can understand. And being around local tracks my whole life, uh, there's a lot of rowdy people down there in general, and it and it doesn't matter if it's the fans, the the drivers, or their wives. Somebody's gonna throw hands. Yeah, but with that being said, I mean, I mean, obviously you're passing it, uh, your driver, and about the sport, just like uh, mm-hmm. Nathan Colton and I are, uh, Justin. Uh, but, you know, I did want to ask, especially after the tweet that you got interacted with uh, by Dale Jr. a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, yeah. how was that feeling? And even before that, uh, how did how did you come to be a Dale Jr fan because i think in that era when he first got in the 88 it was still um a little bit of divisiveness between fans it was either yay he's dale jr or boo he's dale Earnhardt kids well uh yeah last week um for throwback weekend i posted a picture of me decked out in my dale jr gear and i didn't tag him in the picture i don't think i don't think i tagged him or 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 added him so I ha- I didn't expect him to, you know, comment on it. And then I saw his uh, the notification and then he uh he replied to the tweet and like that just made my whole week. Uh it it's always cool when your hero, you know, interacts with you. I raced with him a couple of times on iRacing too, so it's oh, okay. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Um but yeah, I've been a Dale Jr. fan my whole life. Uh my dad liked Dale Earnhardt. I grew up in NASCAR, so I followed. My dad introduced my family to NASCAR, so I liked what he liked, so I was a Dale Jr. fan. And since 2008 is, like, the first season, I remember, like, being a diehard NASCAR fan, and I remember damn near every race after that. But, uh, yeah, I've been a Dale Jr. fan my whole life. It is, it's, it's been terrible. Being a fan, so many heartbreaks, but you know it's, it's well worth it. Yeah, I, I don't know that I want to hear you uh, say that when with uh, Nathan and I being Hamlin fans because we've had our fair share too. I think we're right <laughs> right there with you. But uh, I think I, I think I know your second favorite driver. Um, now that uh, you've told me you started watching in two thousand eight, it wouldn't happen to be KFB, would it? KFB? No. Oh no! Hell no! <laughs> oh no, man! I, ooh, oh, that's still I still get mad from that Richmond finish. I can't can't get it out of my head. And there's a lot of things I can't get out of my head when it comes to Dale Jr. 
Man, what about that 2011 Coke 600? Oh, come on. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Come on, now. Hey, I could could throw some jabs, too. How about uh, the Brickyard last year? How was that? I don't want to talk about it. Really? (laughs) It was nice eating the fence, honestly. I mean, I I don't think it would have been as bad if NASCAR didn't even – it didn't just take away the chance at that race. Like, I knew I knew when that happened, I was mad. Like, I was heated because I knew that, like, look, they're probably never going to have this on the oval again. No yeah, one on yeah. rock. And I was like, yeah, that's over. We're done. <laughs> like, yeah. I've never been so mad at a singular race. In my uh-huh. Like, t- take the title losses. Damn. I'm still more mad at the Brickyard over those. <laughs> I had to throw the shade. I mean, Colton's a Blaney fan. You could probably go hard on him. Man, I got dozens of these things. Don't even get me started. Y'all are new at this. Yeah, it's all it's all fun and games. I mean, uh-huh. you know, especially being a Hamlin fan, we've always gotten poke jabs at. So uh, I, I feel you. I feel you on being the Earnhardt fan. I mean, Dale Jr. had a bunch of controversies. I mean, way back with 2004, even. Um, and uh, 25 yeah. points, potentially losing him the first chase championship with with the comments that he made at Bristol, which was, I believe, he just either said damn or hell, and that was just not acceptable. And NASCAR shot themselves in the foot with that one, in my opinion, because uh, you're most popular driver. Is that really all he said, though? I think so. Oh, it was just oh, one quick that, word. That was at Talladega. When when he won the race, he won the, uh, the million, and he was like, he was like something about uh, – Compared to Dale Earnhardt, and he was like, uh, he was like, that don't mean, that don't mean shit because my daddy. Yeah, that was won- it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Daddy that was won it. ten. That don't mean shit. Yeah, he was yeah. like, that don't mean shit. My daddy won here ten times, and they doctored twenty five points. Oh my god, man. Yeah, if they hadn't have done that, man, he probably would have carried that lead all the way to Homestead and won him a championship. They yep. shot themselves in the foot right there, man. Yep. I I don't even know what to say. To that, um, <laughs> I mean, you got a bunch of stories we could talk about with Junior. Uh, we know that right now, you know, you're a huge supporter of Bubba Wallace, mm-hmm. and you defended him with the Double Birds. We've talked about mm-hmm. that already. I mean, we are going to be halfway through this regular season. Race 13 is this weekend when it comes to Dover. Mm-hmm. How are you with? the 2311 team this year have your expectations been met or do you think they're slacking um no my expectations they haven't been met uh it's kind of there's been a handful of races where i think we should have got a top 10 you know we ran good uh i could think of the 500 uh we were in the top 10 all all race and then last pit stop they had a loose wheel i could think of phoenix we drove all the way up to the top five. We stayed out. I I don't know why we stayed out. Oh my gosh. Uh, what else? Um, Bristol Dirt. Yeah. We were in the top ten and then uh, got contact with Ricky Stenhouse, cut a tire. Um, and I think Las Vegas. He had like a top ten car, but he had engine problems. So you know, there's a handful of races where he should have had a good finish, but but he hasn't had a good finish. Uh. Vegas, they ran. I think they ran terrible. Not Vegas. Uh, Kansas, Kansas. They didn't run good there at all. They ran decent at uh, Darlington, but you know, hopefully, I'm just hoping, hope, hoping that uh, they could turn it around. They have potential, but 
They just need to uh, make better decisions. Yeah, so, uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast too. Um, we kind of touched on. I think the big factor with that team is the brain that's on the pit box. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> like I've I've had some flashbacks with that guy as a Hamlin fan. Like I saw Phoenix when he stayed out this year. I was thinking, like, man, what on earth is this guy doing? And <laughs> right. It's like I didn't spend eighty eighty dollars on twenty three eleven merchandise for this to happen. Yeah, was I mean, really a good uh, crew chief for Hamlin. Uh, he got yeah. us a five hundred win. Yeah, That's I mean, it, other than that, it's kind of been a struggle. Like, I mean, yeah. went winless that one year, twenty eighteen, and then. Um, hey. I know Hamlin kind of. He vouched for him, but there wasn't really a lot of results there in the last few years. Like there was a lot of problems going on as to like mid race adjustments, pit strategy, all that kind of stuff. That he kind kind of struggled at, and every time they would start a race with a good car, they would somehow find a way to finish worse than what their car should have finished. And I see like the same thing happening over and over with Wheeler. Like yeah. I, I guess he can build a good car, but like when it comes down to crew chief in a race it's like i feel bad for bubba because i think that this this shouldn't be happening to him it shouldn't he has a lot of pressure on his back right now and not getting the results that we're expecting i can't imagine what he's going to do yeah and um that that's something i mean we've we've seen bubba be an open book about um some of his uh, mental health struggles. I mean, the the open uh, a couple years ago when he got to the All Star race and he just broke mm-hmm. down and everything happened. And it's it's kind of sad and also a little bit infuriating to see the struggles of that team because I feel like us armchair racers know exactly what's wrong. Um, and then you know, all three of us. I mean, well, I guess all four of us since you're here with us uh, now too, uh, mm-hmm. Justin. We're all huge supporters of this team, uh, the idea behind it, of course, the driver behind it, um, and we want that team to be successful, and it's like something's not meshing, and I think that's 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 disappointing, I mean, even at the scale of NASCAR itself. I mean, having your only black driver have these mm-hmm. struggles is easy targeting for some of the negativity to rise to the top of fan forums and social media platforms and i don't know it's kind of like we all need 2311 to catch a break so that we can have a lot of positive come out of something that should have been positive from the start yeah that's a very good point because there's struggles you can see you know comments and it's just terrible i don't even i don't i stopped reading comments I, I can't read them anymore. They're just so ignorant. I They get me mad. That's all. I don't have to ignore the haters and just prove them wrong with the good results. Yeah, well, I think it's coming. Um, I did want to ask you, though, is the 23 car going to be in the playoffs, yes or no? Yeah, they'll be in the playoffs. Hey, right. It may be a biased decision, but right. hey, I have – I have faith in that team. I think they could turn it around. Yeah, I mean, I, I have faith in Bubba. I don't know that I have faith in the team. So, for me, it's going to be, if he gets in, it's going to be at that last race in Daytona. Um, yeah. Colton, Nathan, I don't know if you guys want to say whether or not you think that 23 is going to be in playoffs right now, um, seeing as we're halfway through the regular season. 
I would I would probably agree with what Justin said. I think it's all about getting the finishes that they deserve because mm-hmm. it seems like every finish they get is below where they actually deserve to finish. And I think yeah. if Wheeler can sort out the strategy and not lose any positions via adjustments or whatever on the pit box, I think that's going to be a huge solution to the problem right there already. And I know that someone who listened to the radio for him on most weeks said that every time that he'll make an adjustment, the car will kind of slip backwards and it'll gradually get worse and worse and worse to where Bubba kind of has to drive the car a little too hard to make up for the car not being as good. And I think if they can just finish where they deserve to finish, it won't be a problem, but Mm -hmm. who knows? I don't, I can't even predict it. It's just hard to make a guess. Yeah. And we know that they've got good equipment over there. I think like you both said, it's going to be, completing the race and finishing where they deserve to finish and where they're running at. I mean, with Wheeler, I mean, I think he just really needs to learn that he doesn't have to throw a Hail Mary every race. Like, if you're running 12th, stick with the pack, yeah, make a just a smart decision, and run 12th one week. You know, run 12th for four weeks in a row. Um, I heard on the Dale Jr. download, when he got paired up with Latart, they just said, alright, we're gonna run 15th. And then a month later, after running 15th every week, they said, alright, now we're gonna run 10th. And that was just their goal. I think they're that Wheeler's trying to shoot too much for the moon and trying to get top fives every week that they're missing yep. out on top tens. That's exactly. true. Yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't really think about it that way. Um my whole thing is is there's a lot of competition this year. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's the non practicing. I don't know if it's <laughs> just we've been three years with this package now or what. But uh it's really tight, and you've seen a bunch of comers and goers uh, kind of in that mid-pack points race, and it's been really interesting. I think if they can get hot over the summer and kind of pull like a Tony Stewart-style summer, they're definitely going to get in, but I just don't know that they're there now um, because of Mike Wheeler's strategy, and you say uh, Latart and them going to get Junior in you know, 15th and 10th and whatever, I don't know that Wheeler's got that in him. I think he's too old school, and he hasn't evolved with the sport. You know, stage racing doesn't lend itself to strategy racing, and I think I'm confident in saying that. Yeah, and that'd be that'd be a fair point to make. He comes from more of the old school, you know, we're running 500 laps, no stages, no nothing like that. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a learning curve over the summer for him is – realizing that okay well we can run good at this stage and then not as good later or we can kind of sacrifice it now save the equipment make good decisions and then maybe you know sneak a top 10 when we don't really deserve it um Mm -hmm. i think they're going to be close come the come the cutoff um i'm looking at the standings now and it's a little over 40 points between bubba and that cutoff at 16th um which isn't undoable at all but it it's going to be a little bit tough with de benedetto running as hot as he's been reddick's kind of gotten a a few good finishes out of it. Um, I think Bubba's saving grace is really going to be um, whether or not we get guys like Harvick and Chase winning the race and just locking themselves in versus mm-hmm. if we get guys like Austin Dillon and, say, a Chris Busher or a Kurt Busch that kind of sneak a win in there, that's really going to hurt his chances. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think, as you guys mentioned earlier, I think Daytona's going to be a free-for-all if um... – if some of the guys you mentioned are still looking for a win by that point and they have to win to get in, I I don't even know what to expect with that race because I know last year 
Bubba was pretty close to the front when he got hit yep. in that last wreck with Logano and all the front runners. I remember being there for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix to win Daytona as a cutoff race. I just don't know how the dominoes are going to fall because it's going to be it's going to be a circus with all those guys looking for wins. Yeah, another thing is like with all these road courses and the schedule. He doesn't really perform that well at road courses, so it's kind of, I don't know, hopefully he could turn it around and, you know, be good at these road courses because they take up, what, six races this year for road courses. We have Dover and then Coda, so I don't know. Hopefully he could just turn it around and get these top tens. Like you said, Mike Wheeler, just he's trying too hard to, you know, get a top five and get a win just have to relax for a little bit. Yeah, they'll need those wins when they make it to the playoffs. Right now, they just need yeah. to point their way in. Yeah, so uh, that's been a really good conversation so far. Um, appreciate learning a little bit more about you, Justin. I mean, you're kind of being a little bit timid. Um, so we'll have, to, we'll have to get you back <laughs> on here and open you up some, some more. Um, but uh, last week, we started a new segment for the show and that was woke or joke we focused on the darlington throwbacks and it took us a while it kind of consumed the whole show because we had so much to go through but it was really fun and so i've gotten compliments uh, on twitter and some other personal uh contacts telling me that it was really fun colton nathan and myself we loved it so i'm gonna have you lead us off and we're gonna go through a rotation so what we're gonna do is i'm gonna bring up a topic and You'll say woke or joke, and we'll sh- say a short little thing about it, and then we'll move on. So, first up for woke or joke is a tweet from Pete Pistoni, and this is based off the next-gen car. And this mm-hmm. happened Thursday morning after the Pro Invitational, and Pete Pistoni says, Watched a little of the Darlington iRacing event with the next-gen cars, and I could very clearly make out all the logos, designs, and names of the sponsors. There is zero reason to move the traditional placement of the numbers anywhere but in the middle of the door. So, Justin, woke or joke? Uh, he's woke. I, I don't really understand moving the uh, numbers. You know, you look at the paint schemes, and they are, the, the logo's already huge on the race cars. I don't think anybody's focused on the logos. Or the placement of the uh, the numbers, yeah. Just keep keep them. Nobody asks for it. Just keep them at the traditional place. But if they move, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with him and go woke because I think it's just another case of like don't fix what isn't broken. Like there's yeah. no real reason to change it. It doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go woke on this one as well. My big talking point with the number change has been, all right, well, when the NASCAR or when NASCAR was in the 90s and 2000s and the sponsors stayed the same every week, you could mm-hmm. tell which one was the Goodwrench car. You could tell which one was Jeff Gordon based on the DuPont car. They kept the same paint schemes. You know, the, the Bud 8 was the big thing. Yeah. Um, with ever-changing paint schemes, I don't want to have to play guess the Penske driver every single week. Um, and, I mean, maybe, Justin, you could attest to this because you were at the All-Star race when they actually shifted the members back. Yeah. Most of them seem to be a little bit smaller um, once they shifted them back from the quarter panel. And I don't know, if, if I'm a team, I'm not going to sell that extra two and a half, three feet of space as a huge point to sign on. And if I'm a sponsor, I don't know that I'm going to buy into a cup team 
just because I've got an extra two feet of space to put a logo somewhere. Yeah, I'll have to agree. I'm going to go woke with uh, this tweet as well. I mean, well, I mean, everything that I could say is pretty much laid out in it. I mean, we, we saw the Pro Invitational Series events with the next-gen models, and you could see all the sponsors, and they had some cars with the normal paint scheme, some cars with their throwback paint schemes, and they seemed to be almost one-to-one -one with our current-gen cars. For whatever reason, NASCAR made this feel like it was going to be such a big reduction in the rear quarter panel and honestly it's it's still about three quarters of the length that it was so there's not really that much less room and we're not selling out where we've not got contingencies anyways so i i don't know it's just a don't broke if it's not broke don't fix it sort of deal like you said uh but moving on uh we saw street circuits be the topic of an article that was put out by one of the reporters where NASCAR is thinking about having not one, not two, but three street circuits. These include the rumored Chicago street circuit, the street circuit in Denver, and a street circuit in Mexico City. So, woke or joke? Go ahead, Justin. Uh, I think it's woke. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot because... It opens up to new markets in the sport. I would kind of agree with that as long as we don't still have the traditional uh, six or seven road courses that we're already at right now. If they cut those in half and put those three street road courses on the schedule, that would be genius. You know, you're racing on the streets of Chicago. Like, how cool is that? Like, that will open a lot of eyes and a lot of doors and a lot of money for NASCAR. And I think it'll kind of put NASCAR back on the map a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with him there, too, and say it's definitely woke because I think it's a huge market that NASCAR hasn't really tapped into yet. And I think mm -hmm. I'd 100% be down for a Chicago street race because I got an uncle that lives up there. And I'd definitely, I'd probably be like 10 minutes from the race. So without a doubt, it's a great idea. As long as they don't add too many of them and go overboard, yeah. I think it's going to be a great idea. I'm going to say this is a very woke joke. I'm kind of on the fence about this. I'm leaning more towards joke. Um, stock cars on a street circuit. It works in Canada because the tracks are a little bit wider than I think we see with like IndyCar street circuits. Um, and the cars up in Canada are made to they, they corner a little bit better on flat corners than the cup cars do. Let's be honest for anyone who's seen the Pinty series. Um, this is, a, again, a very woke joke. Um, if they don't add too many, it'll be all right. I would like to stick with one, maybe two street circuits at the very, very most in the 36 races. Um, I think this, this more leads back to the street or the short track conversation where NASCAR just maybe can't get enough uh, short tracks in. And so now they're trying to kind of expand the market a little bit. I think it's a great idea to at least get one in, um, get the casual population involved a little bit. Um, but going overboard is definitely a possibility here. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with pretty much everything that you guys have said. Um, I am uh, saying this is a complete joke. I do not like the idea of street circuits. I don't like street circuits in other series. I I never have liked the Formula One or IndyCar street circuits. Monaco is its own thing just because it's Monaco. I mean, the only street circuit that I know that has put on good racing is Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal, and that's really a purpose-built 
street circuit. I mean, right. it, I mean, I, I've never really enjoyed it. I don't think it would be good for NASCAR. NASCAR already has a problem of putting on only semi-decent shows at road courses because we have stage cautions. And you guys hit on something that I think is a woke idea, and that's going to new markets. But hello, we can go to some of these markets without going to a street race. Um, I, I've seen a lot of positives uh, from fans to where, like, we've got um, more interaction, more sponsors, all this other stuff. But we can do more at a purpose-built facility than we can in a street race, and we don't have to annoy the residents of said street race hosting, you know? Um, and we don't have to divert traffic or any of that stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking um, we could do – the Pacific Northwest is – a desert for NASCAR. We've got Portland International there. Uh, Miller Motorsports Park in Utah. Denver uh, was mentioned. Well, why not go to Pikes Peak or, um, I don't know, maybe go out at Colorado National with, with you, Colton. I, I don't know. I mean, Mexico's got purpose-built tracks that NASCAR could upgrade and be a, a better show than just going to make a street circuit in Mexico City or they could go to Autodromo or Hernando Rodriguez. I mean, I mean, I, I just don't see any good out of it because these cars, I doubt, would put on a good show on a street course. I mean, these are pretty oh. interesting takes. So these are going to be really fun to look back on if they do have a street course because I love – it's one of the things I love about these segments because they really they bring out the fun with our takes. Yeah, and speaking of that – um, we talked about him earlier, but Steve Carnes, um, he, he tweeted, or I should say he quote retweeted this article saying, I think I'm losing touch with NASCAR. So, so I want to know your guys' ideas on that. So um, we'll, we'll start again with you, Justin. Is uh, expanding this horizon woke or joke? Uh, is that tweet a woke or joke? Yeah. Uh, all due respect to my boy Steve, I think that uh, tweet is a joke. Um, I don't know. He he said something about the tweet, uh, being a fan of the sport for forty four years or whatnot. I don't know why you know being a fan that long, a street race would you know make you stray away from the sport. I don't I don't understand that. Uh, but as somebody who's like in the business world in NASCAR and sponsors cars he should realize you know that's a a marketing standpoint and bring it to different markets and you never know what can happen you know it's nascar's in a different era right now and it's going to be completely different with the new cars new tracks and new ideas so i don't know that tweet is kind of a kind of a joke to me yeah i could definitely agree with that absolutely no disrespect because he's a great follow on Twitter, so uh-huh. if he sees this. I just no, no disrespect. But I'm gonna have to go. I feel like there's a lot of things that NASCAR has done in the last ten or fifteen years that you could consider changing touch with older fans. You know, you yeah. look at points formats, rules, all that kind of stuff, and they're still here. So I don't, I don't think adding one street circuit should be the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back in this. I think it 
if if you could make it through all the other stuff, you could probably make it through the streets. I am going to send full respect to my man Steve and say his tweet was woke as a short track and late model connoisseur of sorts. Um, I see exactly where he's coming from. Um, putting a street course on, probably it, it's going to turn me off a little bit as a fan as well. Um, I'd rather see cars hauling ass around Hickory or Myrtle Beach or Colorado National than I would around the streets of Chicago. And that's, and that's just me as a fan. Um, not to say that the majority of fans aren't going to you know, agree or disagree with me. Um, I see where he's coming from completely, especially as a longtime fan of NASCAR. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with woke on this one. Yeah. I'm going to have to kind of pair, uh, both sides of this argument and say that I'm kind of on the fence. So this, the losing touch with NASCAR mantra of the tweet itself is a joke to me because of what you guys said. If you can get through some of the radical stuff that we've already put ourselves through as a sport, you can get through this, but also it's kind of woke because all of the reasons I just listed above, I just, I would rather see these cars go fast and lightning fast racetracks like Michigan and Atlanta and Charlotte and previously um, unruined Texas uh, were the bread and butter of my uh, personal peak NASCAR years. So I don't know, stepping away from speed just to kind of manufacture a little bit more uh, drama because you kind of have to be in the same area on a street course because they're so tight, Just it kind of turns me off. We have short tracks for that. Um, but moving on, with all of that being said, one of the cities was Denver. And since one of our hosts is from what would be considered the Denver market, um, is NASCAR in Denver woke or joke? And I'll start with Colton on this one. NASCAR in Denver is a joke. Um, that is coming from someone who lives um, about an hour and a half away from Denver. Um, this market is going to be a joke for the Cup Series, not necessarily the Truck Series, maybe not even the Xfinity Series, um, but the Cup Series does not have the market here that they're looking for. Um, I talked to Chairgate in this week, both those guys, and kind of explained to them that the people around here are just so spread out um, for the first year or two of a Denver, or even if they bring back Pikes Peak. Now, that's that's a completely different conversation. Pikes Peak is not even close to being race-ready. Um, but for anything in this market, you're going to get a turnout for two, maybe three years, and then after that, the fans are going to turn off. Personally, myself, I'd rather go to Talladega and spend the extra money than I would to drive down to Pikes Peak and spend the weekends there. Um People here are so spread out in the Front Range area. Cheyenne is the fourth most populous city, and we're at just over 100,000 people in the metro area. Um, so that, I mean, that says a lot about the population here. You're not going to get many NASCAR fans in the Denver area, um, just knowing the demographic that's there. Most of the NASCAR fans are going to come from Wyoming, southern and eastern Colorado, um, and then Nebraska. And I don't see them making that trek year after year after year just to go see one cup race. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning on the fence for this one. I think that for the first couple of years, it would be very well to have a street circuit in Denver tap into a young market. They don't have to go anywhere to see the racers. They're already in the city. But then, as you said, if people's attention spans start to kind of waver and they're like, you know what, we've it's been in the city for two or three years. We've watched it. You know, we we kind of want to move on. And 
then then the popularity kind of starts to dwindle. You think about that, and it's like, at what point do you have to focus on keeping the core audience versus attracting new fans? And I think it's a trade-off. So I really don't know where to lean on this one. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of kind of a joke because um, I I don't think that's the right demographic for NASCAR. Like you guys said, it'll probably be popular for one race. It'll probably be like Kentucky, you know. When they went to Kentucky, it was popular, sold out for one race. And then every year after that, like a decline in those races. So I don't know. Um, I'm not really on board with going to Denver. Yeah, I'm going to have to say a joke as well. When I think of motorsports, I don't think about uh, Denver. Uh, I know they had some IndyCar and kart races previously. I don't know exactly how well they did, and that would have been peak uh, motorsports era, so it probably would have been better than, definitely would have been better than what we do now. I just, I think NASCAR, there's markets for them elsewhere. I look at the Pacific Northwest uh, there's a bunch of rednecks up there, um, and you would be surprised to hear that. But uh, they have a bunch of dirt and and asphalt ovals up that way from NorCal, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. That that area, I feel like, needs cup representation. I feel like uh, IndyCar is doing that with going to Portland International. And I feel like if we're going to focus on a brand-new market, it should be that market and not um denver because they've already got the pikes peak uh time trials so i mean they're uh, for for motorsports they're kind of tapped out that's a once a year thing people go watch them do the hill climb and then that's it i mean that's interesting enough because all the cars are different i doubt that they have the attention span for a 400 mile cup race yeah um, and, and you brought up a great point i just like to touch on here the pacific northwest <laughs> Um, we need to go to places that the outlaws travel at, the world outlaws. And they right. are big in the Pacific Northwest. Um, they don't race anywhere in Colorado, Wyoming, um, northern New Mexico, western Kansas. Um, nothing around this area. And there's there's a, a good reason for it. Yeah, and that's because there's not really fans there. It's that area that you've just described, even like northern and, and southern Texas, you know, lower than – Austin and Houston, like that, 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 there's there's no interest there, and in, I know that's why we left like College Station, Texas, with with the uh, Texas World Speedway and stuff like that. But I mean, NASCAR is throwing stuff at the wall. It seems sometimes just to kind of get a reaction on social to see if they need to go that way. And I'm yeah. hoping this is one of those things. Yeah, and. I mean, we saw there's a reason that the trucks don't come back to Denver. They raced here for a couple of years, and I wish NASCAR would look back on that and say, all right, well, in peak NASCAR, we moved away from Denver and Colorado National Speedway, even though they had the closest finish in NASCAR history up until 2019 in Denver at Colorado National Speedway. But there's a reason they don't come here, and I think we need to keep it that way. Yeah, well, speaking about uh, closing markets, we'll talk about markets that are already existing um big announcements from a couple of different places we saw atlanta say that they're going to go full capacity for their july race and then following that a couple days later we see the onslaught of isc tracks like kansas darlington daytona and talladega say they're going to be fully um open for fans in the stands and then nashville hopped on board 
as well. Um, so I'll start off again with you, Justin. Mm-hmm. Woke or joke, fans back in the stands. I love it. I love it. It's a woke for me. Uh, you know, that's uh, with the vaccine, you know, stuff is getting safer now. You know, I've seen, I think the UFC fight a few weeks ago was the first uh, sporting event with full capacity of stands. And, uh, yeah, nothing bad happened after that. Uh, but there's no there's no better feeling than a packed out NASCAR race. Um, I think if fans just get their vaccine a few months down the line, I think things will start getting better as days go on. So I'm I'm on board with it. Uh, it's it's kind of weird, you know, not having everybody at the, the 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 racetracks, but but yeah, this is a woke for me. Yeah, I can't second that enough. I think it's because if the fans can, you know, they can do their part, they can get the vaccine in a timely manner, I think it shouldn't be an issue down the road. So I think anything that can get the fans back in the stands sooner is nothing but a benefit. Yeah, agree completely. The point of the vaccine coming out earlier this year was to open stuff back up, and NASCAR is taking full advantage of that. Um, agree completely. If you can do your part by getting the vaccine, please do so. Um, but let's open these tracks up. Let's get fans back in the stands and in the campgrounds. Yep. Let's get back to what we know and love. Yeah, uh, mostly I would I would say uh, woke because, uh, like you guys have said, safety is ramped up. We've got the vaccine out. Most people are taking it. Uh, they may or may not require uh, these vaccine passports at the tracks, but we'll have to worry about that. I went to Talladega a couple times during the pandemic, and the only thing – that I'm going to say negative about this is that I'm going to be sad that I'm going to have to shoulder up with some people because I actually really enjoyed having uh, what felt like two or three rows to myself uh, because that was actually a little bit cooler. It's kind of like an elite club to be there. It's like, ah, I was at the NASCAR race with, you know, only 10,000 more fans. But I think that's the only, that's the only downside to going back full capacity. Uh, because that electricity that's in the air at a NASCAR race, kind of like what Justin was alluding to, there's no better feeling than that. Um, and and I can't wait to, to feel that again, that, that, I guess, homologous just energy from a collective fan base being there and seeing what's going on on track. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, with that, I think we've pretty much gotten – to the end of what we wanted to talk about today um it's been a really good show uh really appreciate you coming on with us justin and other than that nathan is going to go ahead and go with our preview for this weekend well first of all when it comes to preview you first have to start off with picks and without further ado let's get into those darlington was pretty interesting i don't remember the exact score for our weekly pick tournament, but we were all pretty close. Um, I kind of hit the nail on the head at Truex there. He destroyed everybody in that race. And I ended up kind of extending the points lead a little bit with 11-6 over Alex and then Colton with three. So I'm not sure how we want to do this. Do we want Colton to go first or do we want to let Justin make his pick first since he's our guest? Uh, we can, uh, we can let, uh, Justin go ahead and pick first. I mean, um, I'm going to pick, uh, Trex again. Uh, he's good at Dover. 
He could have won there last year, but got beat out by Hamlin. And keep in mind, it's the same package from Darlington. So, yeah, my pick is uh, Martin Truex. He's going to go on a hot streak. I, I, that's very disappointing to hear. Uh, <laughs> because I, I, I know it's probably going to be true, and there's just something about it. Like I said earlier in the show, Martin Truex Jr., man, when he, when he wins a race, he doesn't win a race. Yeah, when he, he just gets the, dominates the field, man, and it whenever just, he gets it hurts the lead, me. there's no going back. Yeah, so so here's hoping to you not being right uh, for the sake <laughs> of the fans, um, but I guess that leaves Colton for next. So I'm gonna go with the guy who won in his last Darlington start, which was fall of 2019. I'm gonna go with Kyle Larson. Uh, he's been on a hot streak, damn near all year. He can't quite get it done in some tracks, but I think he can get it done in Delaware. Kyle Larson's my guy. Okay, well, um, I don't know what to say uh, because that is who I was going to pick just because of that last run um, at Darlington last week. I was like, yeah, he's due for a win, and it seems like he's suited a little bit more for the 750 package. And um, so... Man, I don't know who to pick now. Um, so, shoot. Um, I don't know. I don't want to keep picking Hamlin until he wins because I feel like I'm I'm just going to shortchange him yet again. So, I will go with the 48 team, and I'll pick Alex Bowman as someone who I think could, could stir up the field a bit. All right. Well, with that being said, it looks like almost everyone I wanted to pick is off the board, so I think I'm going to have to kind of dip into um, dip into a little bit of a long shot. I don't know if you would call Kevin Harvick a long shot, but judging how, on how this year's gone, I guess he is because that whole team's kind of been at a disadvantage um, all year. So, But with 750 tracks, I think that disadvantage that their team's at aerodynamically is going to be a little bit erased. He did good at Darlington this week, and I he finished, I think, want to say top five in one of the Dover races. He won the other Dover race by a mile. So if there's any race where Harvick's going to get back to victory lane, I'd probably say it's this one just because it's another 750 track. All right. Well, uh, that, that kind of locks us in for this weekend. Uh, we hope uh, you guys enjoy the race. Hope you guys stayed this far with us um, and enjoyed the show. I'm going to pass it off to our guest, uh, Justin. If you have any plugs or anything that you want to say, uh Go ahead and do that, but thank you so much for being on tonight's show. We learned a little bit about you, and it was really fun to, for you to join the conversation. Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Champagne Racing. I also have a TikTok, at Champagne Racing. Uh, also, you can follow me on YouTube or subscribe to me on YouTube, at Champagne Racing. And my Twitch is at Champagne Racing, so... Go over there and give me a follow, give me a subscribe, and I much appreciate it. Yeah, so great episode, guys. Um, I really like talking to you, Justin. It was great to kind of get your point of view on things um, mm-hmm. and learn a little bit more about you. I know I followed you on Twitter for a couple years now. Um, for our fans still listening this late in the podcast, I do have a giveaway for you. First person to tweet at me with the word Justin will win a Dale Earnhardt Beanie Baby. I've got it here in my hand in a little glass case. Great condition. Still got the tags on it. I am more than happy and ready to ship this guy out to the first person who tweets at me with Justin. With that being said, please do 
tweet at Colton or you can tweet at us at Fan Fuel Podcast One. That's capital F, capital F, capital P, and tag the number one on the end. Uh, once you do that, we'll love to have you on. You can probably be on another fan spotlight like Justin, um, uh-huh. or you can uh, be featured in our Work or Joke segment as well. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Um, and Justin, uh, come back on sometime. We we'd love to have you. I'd love to come back. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and thank you guys all for listening. We will see you next time.